This episode is brought to you by the International Parking and Mobility Institute, the world's largest association of professionals in parking, transportation, and mobility. Learn more at parking-mobility.org. Hello and welcome to The Parking Podcast, the podcast where we talk about the $100 billion parking industry and the people that make it go. I'm your host, Isaiah Mao, and this is The Parking Podcast. Views and opinions are my own. Welcome back to another episode of The Parking Podcast. With us today is a friend and mentor, Tiffany Smith, Director of the Parking Authority of River City. How are you doing today, this morning, Tiffany? I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm great. I'm, I'm tickled to have you on because... Our history goes way back. We'll talk about it in a minute, but let's talk about PARC. I said Parking Authority of River City, also known as PARC. So what exactly is that? It's a big operation. What does that encompass? Sure. We do have a rather large operation, which is surprising to many. We have 15 parking garages, over 11,000 spaces in the parking garages. Then we have four surface lots and we have 4,800 on-street meter spaces that we're responsible for. All of those fall under the parking authority. We are completely self-sustaining, which means we don't receive any funds from the general fund through Metro, although we are a Metro agency. It's a rather unique type of situation. We enjoy the benefits of being a city employee, but we have some of the luxuries of operating autonomously from the city because we are revenue producing. Yeah, and you have a great team too. So what's that look like as far as number of employees that not outsource actually are part of the parking authority payroll? Yes, we have grown tremendously over the years. Most recently adding a number of parking facility coordinators that have really helped the operations. And now we're at 36. We have a total number of 36 Metro employees. That encompasses our on-street program that has seven parking meter personnel. They actually go out and provide maintenance on the meters. They collect the meters. They will bag the meters. And then we have one enforcement officer. The rest of our enforcement officers are contracted out. Then we have an off-street division. And then we have an accounting department. And then a few that do administrative work. I'd put your team up against anyone in the country, really, with some great folks with Gerald, Mike Tudor, Steve Bartley, Ricardo, such a, such a great team that you've developed and, and uh, accumulated over the years. And this has got to be one of the largest parking operations that I can think of that a lot of them have different divisions, but as far as all under one umbrella, this is up there with the Mac Daddies in the industry. You know what? I have to admit that I have been pleasantly surprised when attending the International Parking Mobility Institute and hearing from larger cities, obviously than Louisville, Kentucky, because we're a mid-sized city, and hearing the numbers of garages or surface lots or even meters that they operate. And it's just been surprising that we do rank in one of the larger operations. A lot of even the bigger cities operate less garages, less off-street spaces. And even some of the bigger cities will have less on-street spaces. Obviously, all of our on-street spaces are not under high demand, but it's a pretty large system to be able to keep a handle on in terms of the meters being very spread out throughout the city. Yeah, and I think it's got to be because the, the growth of that city, it's like every time I go there, there's just skyscrapers everywhere. There's new buildings. Everything's 
flipped around. There's a lot of uh, great economic development and growth in the city. But let's talk about you. So you've been with Park for quite a while, worked your way up. Uh, yeah. How did, you, how did you get started into parking? Tell, take us back to the beginning. It's been a wild journey. 25 years. Actually, June 10th was my 25th year. It's hard to believe. That's crazy. I, I, I joke sometimes and say that my tenure with the parking authority outlived my marriage, which is, should kind of be the other way around in this day and age, right? <laughs> that's that's probably pretty, pretty common in the parking industry. That's funny. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so I started off in the accounting department, fresh out of college, maybe had two years graduated from college under my belt and just started off with the goals and aspirations of, you know what, just going to kind of get my feet wet here, work about five years, move on. And here I am 20 years later, right? But it, I started off in the accounting department and opportunity presented itself for me to be the business manager, which was really interesting because I had a number of younger, and it was majority ladies working for me. We were basically, we were the bread and butter in terms of handling all the cash that came through. And I can distinctly remember we were maybe 8 million, if that, with the number of facilities we had and growing to a $22 million operation. It's just been phenomenal to watch and be a part of. Uh, when the opportunity opened up for me to come a little away from the accounting department and more so in the administration, I moved up to the assistant director position and held that position for a number of years until our director moved on to another director position within Metro. And I was blessed enough to receive the director position. And that was about five years ago. Yeah. And it's been pretty impressive to start in accounting and work your way all the way to the top. What do you feel were, were some of the reasons for your, your rapid success? Can you think of maybe some, some, some things that helped you keep growing in, in these positions? Sure. I, 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 I'm a, a lady of faith and it came with a lot of prayer. <laughs> and then determination. I knew early on if I was going to move up in any corporate ladder, I needed to return to school. And I did that in 2000 and was able to finish my master's in business administration. I felt like that helped me tremendously. And I have a tremendous team. While I have the longest tenure with the parking authority, I've been with a number of staff, colleagues that have came through the parking authority with me. And they have just been tremendous to work for having their support, working as a team collectively, having a common vision and goal and the determination to get behind that tenacity. And a lot of times it hasn't always been easy, but the staff that I've had by my side, and you mentioned them before, in particular, Mike Tudor and Gerald Howe have just, I, I, I call them the sons of thunder. Because <laughs> <laughs> they, they, yeah, they, they're just always there, always in the trenches, always ready to, to help see my vision through. And just having them by my side as close as they've been the last five years has just been, been the deal maker. I, I couldn't do it without them, quite frankly. No, that's great. And I, I think if I've been successful, I, I think it's almost identical to what you attributed, you know, my faith, my master's. I, I, I went to college and it was... Mm -hmm. 
a lot of like study a book and then memorize it and put it on a test. And then my master's was like group projects, speaking, mm-hmm. presentations, and that just was so valuable in, in, mm-hmm. in my career. And then, mm-hmm. and then, yeah, surrounding your, myself with a, a good team and, mm-hmm. and good mentors and people that go out of their way to make me look good. You, you know mm-hmm. some of the, these people, Steve Resnick, oh, yeah. Jack Skelton, mm-hmm. a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Not only that, like you've not only just knocked it out of the park with Park, haha, I, I did hmm. not intend that. That was a great, great, great play there. But, <laughs> but you, you, you've always been, you know, Park's always been on the cutting edge. I know you guys were like one of the first to go automated in all your garages. You, one of the first white label apps out there. This is years, decades ago. So anything new? I mean, what's Park working on, on now that, that you think is pretty uh, state of the art? Yes, with COVID and it being so important to touch less contactless. We, we're hearing that term. It's almost a new buzzword. And we knew that we had to make some provisions that people felt comfortable returning to the downtown area. And unfortunately, as much as we love the meters, if we are honest about it, they're probably one of the more filthier things you would touch on a daily basis just because of the interaction yep. they, that they encounter on a daily basis. And we wanted to find out how we could offer options. We've had, as you mentioned, the white label. It hadn't been as widely used as we had anticipated, but we felt that this was a time to offer the service to capitalize on that. If you didn't know about Go502 before, hey, we offer the opportunity for you to never touch the meter. You just touch your phone, just like what you're touching every day, all day. And we wanted to make sure that we were being conscientious of some that wouldn't be comfortable with that. Even though we had that as an option, we knew some people still didn't want to download a different app. So we've been looking at a text to pay. We've been trying to find out how we can allow for meters on one side of the street, pay stations or go 502 on the other side of the street, and how we can basically lay out the city so that it doesn't become more cumbersome on our enforcement officers or on our parking meter staff. And we feel as if over the last couple of weeks, Mike and Steve Bartley on our team have been working very hard to develop a plan to ensure we can provide the utmost customer service in terms of not touching the equipment, but at the same time, maintain efficiency for our staff. And I believe, just because I'm a little bit involved in this operation, you guys are <laughs> looking at multi-app. Is that the case? Are you guys yes. kind of putting, putting your toes in the water on that, uh, yes. that solution? Yes. Uh, historically, again, I mentioned earlier, I've been with Park for 25 years. And one of the concerns I have had over the 25 years is being a guinea pig in any of the new technology that comes out. We always want to be on the cutting edge, but we've been a guinea pig in some senses, and it hasn't gone well. And we always hope that as we know better, we do better. So we are actually doing a great deal of research right now, and we're looking into other cities that have decided to use multi-vendors. We have a really good friend out there in the industry that we're speaking with him And we're having conversations with others to try to determine what is the best fit for our market. When Park went to the Go502 label, we had been using Passport. And we didn't want people 
to be discouraged or be upset about having to download a different app. We insisted that people that use the meters could use both Passport and Go502. Ah, so in an essence, you've already been doing a multi-app for, for a number of years. Right, but it has been confusing because people see the Go502 literature on the app, and if they don't know any different, they don't think they can use Passport. So they might not use it because they don't want to download Go502, not realizing that ours take both. Uh, so it's important for our marketing side to be able to communicate that you could use Passport, Go502, and maybe at least another option. That's great. And 502 is the area code for Louisville, yes. the Go502. That's one, one reason they, they, they use that awesome uh, white label. Mm -hmm. And speaking of state-of-the-art and being ahead of the game and guinea pigs, Park recently became an APO, with distinction, mind you, certified. So tell us about that process. Why was that initiative important to Park to obtain the APO certification? Attending the IPM, uh, International Parking Mobility Institute, on an annual basis, and when the accreditation was first introduced, I distinctly remember sitting there and hearing some of the qualifiers for being accredited. And I thought, wait a minute, this is us. We, 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 we check all those boxes. We need to be on that stage. And reaching out to our contractor at the time and expressing interest, hey, we're going to need your help to get us on that stage. And life being what it was, one thing or another happened within our industry or within our city, and we weren't able to do it within the first couple of years. And we knew we just did not have the bandwidth to pull it off. About two years ago, when we put out our RFP, we incentivized and asked for whatever contractor was awarded the bid that was one of the items, one of the categories that they had to comply with. They had to make sure that within the next 12 months, Park was accredited. For me, the emphasis had to do with the awesome job my staff does on a daily basis, whether it is, and, and you've worked with us before with some of our green initiatives, the sustainability, the equipment, the superior customer service, the professional development that we yep. provide. Just it, it, it was a number of things that internally we regularly congratulate and award one another, but on an international level for others to understand and realize that, well, it's not just the Miamis, it's not just the Houstons, it's not just the Torontos that have this great parking system. Even Louisville, Kentucky, little bitty Louisville, Kentucky has a phenomenal parking system and the world needed to know the type of things that were going on here. That's what interests me. I really wanted to put us on the map, hearing what other departments and what other cities were able to do and accomplish. I wanted to make sure that everyone knew all across the country that park needed to be in that top 5%. Yeah, well done on that as well. And well, I guess I could share this. So the reason I mentioned Tiffany as a friend and mentor is mm -hmm. I actually, so Park outsources some of their operations, the, the labor, a lot of the, uh, the cashiers, ambassadors, maintenance, enforcement. And I was assigned as a manager for Louisville and that's how I got to meet Tiffany. So, mm -hmm. uh, and I remember someone saying, 
oh, you're moving to Kentucky. I'm sorry. You're making a joke. <laughs> and I was kind of worried. And I love Louisville. I think it's one of the mm. coolest cities in America. I, my, my family and I just love the city. So much going on there. But I, I was going to ask you, so do you remember uh, – 25-year-old Isaiah rolling into to Louisville. Do you have any, any thoughts or funny, embarrassing stories you want to share? Oh, yes. I remember when you first got here and like, oh, my gosh, they put this kid here. How is he going <laughs> to handle all this? I remember in my interview, you, you said, uh, or someone said, uh, what are you, 12? I was, like, <laughs> I was like, I'm 25, thank you. And then my, my voice cracked and I was embarrassed, but that's funny. <laughs> Yes, I do remember, but I, I, I'll say then and I'll say now, one of the things I've always appreciated about you, Isaiah, is your determination, your eagerness, your energy, your personality, your drive. All of that has been contagious. And the, the individuals that you had working under you, they, they could instantaneously see that type of excitement. And it, it was contagious. They too picked up on that. And you, you yourself have done quite a bit of mentoring, and it was refreshing to have that type of energy come through the system. If anything, you're a testament to it's not always age. And I, I fought some of those battles when I first came to the industry as well. But you were the epitome of you don't need to be 50 and have 25 years of experience under your belt to be able to get the job done. I remember thinking one time it was something going on in the operations. And I don't remember the particulars of it, but I remember thinking I finally got him. I got him. And it was <laughs> something that had not been done. It wasn't by you, but it was one of your staff. And, of course, the buck stopped at you, so you were responsible. And I thought I got him. And I uh -oh. remember sending you an email and thought I was calling you out on something. And you had this quick response back. And some kind of way you backdoored it. <laughs> oh. And I remember writing back. I said, okay, you got me this time, but I'll make sure to close that loop the next time. It was, it was, it was a, a very good experience. And I look back at that and we, we did a, we did some great things together here for the yeah. staff. And that probably was one of the introductions to the dedication to making sure that the frontline staff, even though they weren't park staff, they were family. I remember you and Park working together to provide some assistance to someone. I believe they had lost their home or something happened, real something tragic. And we came together and were able to provide some support. And at the end of the day, the parking operations is great. The profit is great. But if you're not taking care of the people, that's how you hold your head up high. Yeah, I agree. I enjoyed every minute of it. And like I said, you're a great mentor. And I think it switched from being a, us against them to be a partnership. How can we, because I think you and I had similar visions, like the customer mm -hmm. service I know is so important to you. Just mm -hmm. every day, just working with our team to almost create that Chick-fil-A, my pleasure uh, yes. atmosphere mm -hmm. with, with our staff. But let's talk a little bit about that because we have a lot of vendors and, and parking operators listening. So, well, let's first talk about, so you mentioned this a minute ago when you talked about APO that you made it an incentive. Hey, if you get APO, the, the operator will get bonus. So it just seemed like over the years, Park used to decades ago have had a, a reputation of being hard, you know, the liquidated damages. If you, if you miss this, you miss that. And then it seemed to shift over the years to be more, we expect excellence, but you can get a minimum fee. But if you're going to go out of your way and do great job and hit your KPIs and get us APO certified, 
so it kind of shifted. I don't know if that makes sense what I'm saying, but it shifted from like the stick to the carrot mm-hmm. and under your leadership. So I was just wondering mm-hmm. that what was the genesis behind that? Did the light bulb, was it, what, what made you decide mm-hmm. to kind of switch that management mentality over the years? Well, you really hit the head on the nail and growth. I think Isaiah, it, it was a lot of growth and maturity and, and doing the same thing over and over again and not getting different results. It, it wasn't working. That old saying that grandmother used to say, you, you win more with honey than you do with vinegar. Figured it wasn't working. Let's switch it up and see if we can reward good behavior. It actually, ironically, came stemmed some from, I had spent about a year in seminary school before I became the director of the parking authority. And I, I'll tell you, that was a divine intervention. I learned a lot of things through that year that I was able to implement into the department, the agency, and some of that was listening. Why, why, why don't we do more listening? And the other was just encouraging people that I, I remember being there and thinking about my son and my son had ADHD and still does, but I remember speaking with an occupational therapist and she said, well, why don't you start rewarding him for the things he does and see if that doesn't change. Light bulbs went off everywhere. I was like, huh. Well, we can't really get the operators to come all the way over to where we want them to be. We're having trouble permeating that message from the top down to their front line. Let's switch this up some. Let's see if we can add a little to their pocketbooks, if that would encourage getting the job done. And it's definitely worked. And I think from that whole partnership that you spoke of earlier, it's helped to spur that relationship. And there are more chances. We felt, I felt, that they were already having more chances, the operators. And it was almost like a, I'm tired of talking about it. Here, now listen, I bet you'll understand me now. Instead of, oh, what a great job you're doing. Hey, let's see how we do more of that. Let's see how we encourage that. And I'll be honest, that, that's a much better feeling, too, is that you're not being seen as the person that's trying to get you. That was never the intent. We just wanted the end game to be the same. So let's find out a different way to have the same end results with a better execution. And I just got goosebumps. That was a, that was a great story, Tiffany, oh, you're opening so up. No, that was awesome. <laughs> you know, I learned some of that from you. I think it was ABC car. I can't remember what it was, but yeah, you would challenge yeah, me, find someone going out of the way, doing something great. We'll pay yeah. them. I will never turn it down. And it's, it's a, I would almost make it a regular thing every, every month, at least nominate one or two. Hey, this person watched mm-hmm. the video, had a great experience, handled an angry customer, had them laughing. I would like to nominate mm-hmm. them for the $10 Starbucks card or whatever it was. But yeah, yeah. it was, um, it's, and we still do that today. It's called above and beyond customer service. And it's just a card. I'll always write a personal note and I'll reference what great thing they did. And then we'll give them a little gift card. Have lunch on us. We appreciate what you do. We started reading some books here, professional development within the office. And we talked about rewarding the behavior that you want to see repeated. You want to see more of it? Reward it. And people, that just goes a long way of being noticed and being encouraged for just doing the right thing. 
no doubt if they're found doing the wrong thing, they're going to get some attention, right? Yep. Let's start yep. putting some attention towards you did the right thing. Hey, and we, we caught you. We want to give you something. Tiffany and Park would put in their, their RFPs that, you know, customer service training is required. They reimburse mm-hmm. for that. So it was just so refreshing to say, have the whole team come in, maybe shifts of two to have, make sure we had the coverage, but to have the, the training to invest in your staff. And sometimes Park would lead those. Talk about money budgeting or have special guest speakers come in and that while they're on the clock, that is just, you know, you could just see the investment you're, you're putting in people just help with teamwork and camaraderie. And I remember little things you guys just put like coupons and like cups, mm-hmm. like, Hey, mm-hmm. find this, find mm-hmm. this uh, coupon, turn it in for a $10 gift card. If they found like mm-hmm. a, a beer bottle, other creative stuff, that's great stuff. Let's stay on the topic of vendors and operators. Yeah. Uh, you know, again, a lot of them listening on the call and you guys are always, you know, always something going on at park with vendors, operator solutions. So what are some things you look for when you're wanting to partner with a company? You know, is it price references, flexibility, or maybe things that stand out in pitches or presentations? Kind of, I don't know if that makes sense, but what, what do you look for when, when you're choosing a solution? I remember starting, we were very much cost conscientious. We were always looking for low bids. We realized real quick, you get what you pay for. We came away from that. And now today, I would say we're looking for common values. What type of programs are you currently instituting within your system? Not what we've asked for, but point me to what type of customer service training you've been doing. What type of professional development do you already have in place for your staff and how frequently are they able to take advantage of that? How often do you send your corporate office to the municipality to see how things are going? Do your frontline staff, do they know what that personnel book looks like? Are, Are they familiar with the corporate staff? Does the corporate staff come here and get to know them or do they walk past them and not even pay them attention? It's those type of things that we look at because you can have the best team on the ground, but if they do not have the corporate support, it still will not function. And the opposite is also true. You can have the best corporate office, but if locally you don't have the right people, it doesn't function well. We look for a contractor that understands that concept and because they understand it, they capitalize on that. It's kind of hard to find, but we try to at least do a process of elimination from those that do not understand that concept at all. That's like a disaster waiting to, waiting to happen. No, that's, man, that's great stuff. And I don't want to give away all our trade secrets. So we're, I'm going to cut you <laughs> off. <that. laughs> no, that's great. All right. So we talked a little bit, you know, about my time in Louisville, but let's talk a little bit about Louisville. I think a lot of people know Louisville from uh, Churchill Downs, the Kentucky mm-hmm. Derby. Again, that's a little bit away from the downtown core, which mm-hmm. I did not know about was thunder over Louisville when I, when mm-hmm. I moved there. So Tell us about this, the planning that goes into a Thunder over Louisville. What, what is that and what's it like to manage a day like that? Well, Thunder is the kickoff to Derby. and It typically occurs, it always occurs two weeks before the Derby. There's just a number of events here in the city. This is, this is when 
the city of Louisville comes a lot. We have thunder over Louisville, and we have races, and we have the boat race, and then there's a big parade. There's just so much energy invested into our city for, for derby time. But thunder over Louisville is where it begins. It's the biggest. It's the best. It's the loudest. It's the longest fireworks show. But for park and for all of the parking operators that are in the downtown area, it means it is the biggest day for a number of employees that are out on the street trying to wave those flags and jump up and down, spin signs, whatever <laughs> yeah. it takes. Please come yeah. park with us. Manage your rates just right to make sure the people are paying 5 or $10 less to come to your location or the one next door. When it's good, it's easily eighty dollars to $100,000 for a day. This is a one-day operation. Even when the weather is bad, it is a good revenue producer. It is contingent on the rain. It makes the biggest difference. People will come out in the cold. Sometimes in the rain, they will adjust because they actually camp out on our waterfront to park down here. RVs come, they'll pay $40, $50 per RV or more. And the better the parking space, the more revenue. We have, it's actually a joke around here. I mentioned Mike Tudor earlier, and he used to be responsible for Thunder. We would be in February and Mike would say, well, we'll have to wait till Thunder is over. <laughs> I'll do that after Thunder. It, that's just how much planning went into and it. And it's in April, correct? And it's in April, yeah. right. Yeah, it was wow. like, oh gosh, Mike, really, April. But at any rate, it's just a, a, an enormous amount of collaboration with the companies that work downtown. A lot of them would have events around Thunder where they would host something on a rooftop or they would host something in their parking lots and feed their, their employees for the day. And then there were vendors that would come in and we'd have to work with the Derby Festival because as I mentioned, it's an all day event. There's an air show that's earlier in the day. The vendors line up and down our river road here like a fair. If you came to the city, you wouldn't know if you were sitting at the Kentucky State Fair or Thunder. That's how many vendors are on the streets selling wow. foods yeah. and just anything you can imagine. And one more thing about Thunder. I'd have to say one of the most impressive observations is the next morning. It goes from being lights from probably two or three mile stretch on one street to the next morning. Everything is completely clear so and clean and ready to go. Even it's, the garages. It's very, yeah. Yes, it's, it's an extremely impressive event here. If you've never attended it, if you like fireworks, and if you just want to see what Louisville's about, that's the weekend to come. Yeah, and, she, and Tiffany mentioned a bunch of superlatives, but it, yeah, it is indeed the, the largest uh, firework and air show event in the United States. It happens every mm -hmm. year, ha averages about, oh, half a million people. Mm -hmm. One year when I was there, I think it got over a million because, you know, when everything's perfect, like it's 70 degrees mm -hmm. and sunny mm -hmm. and, and there's no COVID, that everyone comes. And <laughs> right. Year round, it's when you're hiring people, it's, hey, just so you know, you can't take vacation mm -hmm. from Thunder. Can you mm -hmm. work Thunder? Maintenance, they come in, like you said, they, they, they start that day. They all know on Thunder, they work from midnight to eight in the morning because they're cleaning mm -hmm. the garage. If you like, you know, logistics and planning, you'll love, uh, I, I would recommend people just come and ask if they could just 
follow, be a fly on the wall, just walk around and learn oh, about yes. what goes into planning that. Every That's police great. officer is out, their own horses, their own bikes, their own little moped, the four by fours, and we have golf carts everywhere. It's, it's enjoyable. And then you just yeah. go, if you're me, if you're sick like me, you go to every garage and see how you can help maximize. Oh, I remember you have the radio <laughs> and Isaiah, this person's not flagging. Oh, I'm on, I'm on right. And I love it because it's like, you know, I have an athletics background, game day. So just like, yes. I don't know. I, it's like the highlight of my year. Just was it running, really so, is. Yeah. And then, so then that's the kickoff, as she said, to Derby. So what, Derby's like a week later or two weeks later? Two weeks later. Two, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, a kickoff to two weeks of just festivities, races, because again, uh, some of the listeners don't know, but Kentucky Derby is not the only race <laughs> at Churchill Downs. Right. Yeah, so. And then speaking of Kentucky and cool things, you know, we've had someone else on the podcast a little, maybe south, I'm, I'm not sure my geography, but Gary Means mm-hmm. with Lexington. Mm-hmm. And so are, are you, where did you go to school? Are you a Kentucky Wildcat or are you a Louisville Cardinal? I, I am both. Yeah, yeah, this is an interesting <laughs> detail. I obviously spent my life in Louisville, go cards. Yeah. And then I spent four years in Lexington, University of Kentucky, which I never would have thought that I would have become a UK fan for four years. I want to make sure I put that out there. But that place is nuts. It, it, it really is. If you, <laughs> yeah. I remember I had spent all of my life in Louisville and then went to Lexington and saw Wildcats on the side of a construction vehicle. And I thought, well, our concrete vehicles are yellow. What is this? And that was my introduction to all things Wildcat. Lexington really is inside of University of Kentucky. University of Kentucky is not inside Lexington. (laughs) University of Kentucky runs the Lexington area. And it's, it, it, it really, again, contagious got there. It's almost like a addiction and you, you get pulled in and all of a sudden you're a UK fan. And then I came back to Louisville and came back to my sense. God, I love it. And, I and, never stopped being a UofL and, fan. Let me, yeah. In case I have any UofL fans out there, I yeah. just temporarily shared some of my enthusiasm and it was, um, it was a great time. I, I loved my experience at UK and that's where Gary's, just 60 miles east from here east. is there um my counterpart and he, east yes it's east and gary has we, we've been great partners working together uh, gary is another person with a, a tremendous amount of passion and drive for the industry and, and he's called me i've called him so it's a good partnership that we have just a little east up the street there yeah and so thunder's a a huge day and then the the second busiest day is probably that Louisville, Kentucky game. So uh, the Louisville arena is downtown. That's a whole other story, maybe for a whole other podcast, but putting that arena downtown, how that yes. affected parking and, and the city. But uh, when those two teams play, it's a lot of fun too. It's an all day, all day mm-hmm. event. And uh, mm-hmm. hopefully there's not too many fights and, and, and <laughs> everyone can stay classy and have a great time. But, and then my last question about Louisville was the great Muhammad Ali. I visited his tombstone in, in Louisville. Mm-hmm. And I think you may have met him. If so, I've got to ask you, because that's a pretty cool story. Oh, my gosh, yes. I grew up with my mother being easily the number one Muhammad Ali fan. And my brother's middle name is Ali, Daniel Ali. My mother's license plate says, Love Ali. <laughs> and when you walk in my parents' home, there is a seven 
foot picture of Ali at the top of the stairs. She may be a little obsessed. (laughs) That's great. Maybe. When I became of driving age, anytime Ali was in the city doing any type of signings for books and whatnot, I had to go stand in the extra long lines to get his signature. And as fans stalking goes, my mom stalked his wife one day in a store and expressed to her what a great fan she was and how much she adored Muhammad Ali. And him being the always humanitarian that he was, visited our home. He probably was a little scared when he came (laughs) in and saw his pictures all over. Oh, man. But he visited our home and... I, we, we got to meet him, me and my siblings and uh, my husband at the time. And he did magic tricks and he did, it just entertained us magic for a good hour. Like he, he literally did like magic yes. tricks the kids. Oh, he used man. to levitate or, or do this trick that made it look, he, I, I want to say he did maybe a card trick and some type of magic trick that made it look like he was coming off the ground and. Then he made jokes against people in the, um, the, in the family that we still laugh about. You remember when he made that? that that's, that's what made it relevant about my ex-husband because he made a joke about him at the time. And it was just a great time. And after he passed away, if anyone knows anything about how Louisville literally. Oh, man, the parades. And the, wow. The it, was, yeah. it, it was just unbelievable. I was down on our waterfront and the expressway is there. and you could look down one way or the other and it was just people on top of people standing and just cheering the limos on and the hearse that was coming through the city. And my mother, we were really good friends with the funeral director. He made it possible for her to be able to participate in that funeral procession. And I don't, a few things have made her happier. She was elated to be able to honor wow the GOAT, the greatest of all time, the champ in that way. And yeah, Man. yeah, our city really pulled together for that. So it was a, it was a proud day. He was yeah. a great, what he's, great What guy. he's done for Louisville and, and the world Man. as a matter. And another park tie-in here is that there's the, what is it the, called? The Ali Center is downtown yes. Louisville. And we, or park manages the parking for the Ali mm-hmm. Center. So we're always collaborating with them on special events and such. And that's a really great museum if you're an Ali mm-hmm. Man, I'm really pushing Louisville. They got the big Slugger Museum, the big baseball mm-hmm. bat, Ali mm-hmm. Center, lots of cool stuff. When you're not parking cars, Tiffany, what, what do you like to do for fun? What keeps you busy? Wow. I, I, about four years ago, I took up an interest in tennis. And who knew? I did not I, know that. Yeah. Yes. Oh, Isaiah. Yes. That, that is my sport. That's my, I call it my happy place. If I'm on a tennis court and I have some tennis balls and some good people to hit across from, it kind of gives you an opportunity to escape for that time period because you're focusing on this little yellow ball. Yeah. But that, that's my favorite pastime right now is just to be able to be outdoors or indoors. My preference is outdoors and, and playing some good games of tennis and practicing with teams. I play on several different teams. I'm a part of the USTA and it's just a lot of fun. Sometimes we get to travel, not right now, of course, but normally in the summers we travel to Indianapolis and Nashville and they come here and we have, could have a couple of tournaments and it's a lot of fun. So there's any people out there that have thought one day, I think I'll try tennis. Hey, delay no further. Get out there and hit that ball. It's, it's a 
it's a, it's a great energy release, a lot of endorphins, and I've met some great great friends out there. I'll have to take you up on that. And I know you're you're fit because every time we're at a conference together, I go to the the gym to lift weights, and then I'll see <laughs> Tiffany in there getting fit, getting exercise. So okay. it's a must. It's a must. Yeah. So Tiffany, man, I really, really enjoyed this time. I thought you did great. Loved learning more about you and Louisville and Park. And what is there a website for for Park that people, if they're interested, could go on and learn a little bit more about your operations? Sure. It's um, www.louisvilleky.gov, government slash P-A-R-C. Tiffany, really, really appreciate you uh, joining and have a great week. You too. Thanks, Isaiah. I appreciate the time. Have a good one. Stay safe. To our listeners, thank you so much for listening to another episode of The Parking Podcast. Please leave us a review and tell a friend about our show. It would mean a lot. This has been a production of Synchronicity Media, produced by me, Isaiah Mao. Our music and score is by Zona. Our show art and design is by the talented Allison Gilly. You can follow us on social media at The Parking Podcast. Or you can find our website with bonus content at parkingcast.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in two weeks. This episode is brought to you by the International Parking and Mobility Institute, publishers of the industry's only soup-to-nuts textbook about all things parking. It's called A Guide to Parking, and several of our guests from previous episodes have contributed to this wonderful little textbook. Learn more and order your own copy at parking-mobility.org textbook.